0: Thank <laughs> you. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Left Turn Canada. Andy Burkowski, Christo Avelisse here to bring you the latest news, what's going on in Canada from that leftist perspective. Christo and I took a couple weeks off to enjoy the holidays, you know, spend time with our families. And in that time, it seems like the apocalypse is on us once again. I think our last show, uh, kind of the middle of December, the covid cases in ontario was just about the 1000 or were we a little more than that i can't quite remember i think it was about that and now cristo today of course we're entering as you all know a another version of a lockdown here in ontario the cases were hitting close to 20,000 a day the most that you know we've ever seen in this pandemic and Ford announced all of these changes essentially the day when school was supposed to start now of course school will be closed for at least online school is now available here in Ontario for the uh the next two weeks and you know there's there's a bunch of other closures that happened we're going to get into it but uh yeah Christo what how are you feeling about all this <laughs>
1: I mean, it certainly snuck up, right? Yeah, we talked man. a little bit about it, I think, on our last episode that we saw cases rising in Kingston. And I don't know if that was a, a, yet an understanding that, like, Omicron was, like, uniquely transmissible, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, the previous COVID variants, you know, there were some variances within how, how infectious one of them was, for example. But with this one, it really is the case that... um there are more, especially if you're unvaccinated, you're more likely to get it, of course, but there are more big breakthrough cases. And that's why you're seeing in both Canada and the U S and other countries as well, you know, daily records, Mm -hmm. you know, even going back to the peak, you know, the pre-vaccine peak, say early 2021, you know, late 2020, those were some of the peaks, um, or higher than that. And while apparently, uh, on an individual by individual basis, Omicron isn't as 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 deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's not too hard to see how even if it's less deadly, if it's infecting substantially more people, it will put you know real uh, you know uh, constraints on the healthcare system, but just you know uh, the economy in general. As more and more people get sick, and maybe they're not hospital sick, although many are, but they're certainly not able to work. And more people are getting this variant than they were getting the previous one. Again, in Kingston, you know, we've seen we went, you know, a a long period where we would have, you know, less than a couple cases a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kingston would often be, you know, well under, uh, you know, in the single digits of active cases. And then all of a sudden we were getting hit with hundreds a day. Right. In Kingston. And uh, that that's that's a sign of, of things changing
0: the the sentiment i think that we heard today as as a recording from ford and other experts here in the province was well, ford is no expert yeah. I was I was correcting Ford, myself there for Ford a second and
1: also unrelated to Ford experts. Yes, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 So
0: the experts that have been trying to explain this to Ford, I think, for months now, like it definitely speaks to the sort of leader he is that these choices in this lockdown was made today, you know, when, when they understood that this would be happening. But it was made pretty clear and it was echoed by Ford that we could have if there isn't some form of of limitation of of connections there could be easily hundreds of thousands of cases a day and even if only one percent less than one percent of the population that uh, are infected with omicron end up in the hospital that would effectively completely stop our current healthcare system if you had 10 15 even 5000 new people every day needing to be hospitalized it just it will be untenable we heard it when Nora was on with one of our big shows last year she explained that that is how a lot of people died who normally wouldn't yeah. because of this stranglehold on the healthcare mm-hmm. system and i think yeah. the most insidious thing that i want to talk about today is how Ford made these changes so last minute, and acted as if, and he, he even said so in the press conference today that you know this was a, a, a quick decision i had to make you know this was something that was second by second when really he was just hedging and we had other members of the government saying this earlier in the week he was just hedging how long he could keep people in peril at the expense of the economy and he it was clear to him that the the odds weren't in his favor but it's just so sickening to see
1: holding out just in case just in case you know man case like omicron just you know, uh, was it just it killed itself or whatever? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then, hundred percent. Even though it was clear at least I think two weeks ago, yeah, that you know reopening you know, as per usual after the holidays was a really bad idea. Yeah, it got it got worse. You know, in the last few days, like mm-hmm. it did deteriorate, but not to the point where it was fine seventy two hours ago. It yeah. wasn't. Right, like the decision Ford made. If he just made that decision now, I mean, he's admitting that he was basically doing sweet fuck all. Yeah. For like the last few weeks, mm-hmm. right? Because it's become clear. Doctors have been saying this. Nurses have been saying this. Other healthcare professionals have been saying it. Right.
0: Yeah. And it is interesting to hear how the the narratives have changed. I remember when we were trying to prepare for this show, it's, it was, you know, been a little while. So we have some stories from, you know, maybe four or five days ago, maybe, you know, close to six days ago, where doctors that were representing yeah. the government made it very clear that the reason why they only wanted people to isolate for five days is, and I think the quote is, it's less burdensome for an employer yeah. if you return to work after that five days period even though there's like the science is not 100% clear if you're you know 100% safe at that point like we know where the government stands they're willing to put people at risk and I think Ford is really upset And his uh, supporters are upset that this hasn't just become, oh, you know, this is a badder flu and we just need to understand that it's like a flu. And that shouldn't mean that our entire economy stops. I think that the reality of the situation as explained by you know the doctors that were trying to say that this is really kind of unprecedented and terrifying is sinking in and those you know those lockdown conditions are happening if you're not familiar essentially indoor dining is banned gyms are closed here in Ontario they reduced from 10 people to five people inside, less people outside. Uh, Malls are still open. uh, All theaters are closed. And of course, there will be the uh, online schooling at least for two weeks here. But I'm just wondering, we talked about this a lot, Christo. The idea that there would never be another full lockdown in your mind, is this that full lockdown that we thought never would happen? Or or do you really think that Ford is committed so much to this idea that it's just a bad flu and the economy has to survive that he would never make it that like you're not allowed to leave your house again? Do you you think we're at that point yet Or, or
1: what do you think he's willing to do? Yeah, it seems like this is kind of we're back at stage two. Yeah. Like people have called it the modified stage 2. Some things are different, some things are stricter, some things are less strict. I mean, it's not the full lockdown. It's not the it's not the March 2020. Even if you look at it, the uh some sports leagues have have modified schedules. Yeah. But like if you look right now, like there are games tonight, you know, like the NFL went on per usual. Mm-hmm. NHL there's three games tonight. Uh you know, some games are postponed, but not all of them are. Um, you know tomorrow there's a bunch of games they're kind of going on a case-by-case basis NBAs playing tonight there's like there's literally one two three four five games currently playing as we speak yeah and then like another five to start at some point tonight um you know so in a sense we're not back to the original lockdown mm-hmm. but we are we are getting pretty close we are yeah. getting pretty close to that. Um, in the sense uh, that that I, I didn't know if we would go back to this point. I mm-hmm. thought Ford would have just resisted it, but and I think he probably wanted to, which is maybe why he had so much apprehension. Mm-hmm. But um, this is uh, this is um, not not the not the full lockdown. It
0: isn't, and I do wonder though. Like we said, I, I don't think it'll ever come to that point because he's Tupac committed to this idea that you know the economy has to go on we we can't be locked down again and I think he would lose a lot of the uh, supporters that maybe at the end of last year you know in the fall of last year thought you know the worst was over now it's it's perhaps worse than before like we said not as many people are perhaps dying it's not as uh, deadly as as other strains and variants so you know there's a little bit of um examination personally you you might have to do on that but the idea and I that They're still not prepared here in Ontario that I think as we're finding some uh, intrepid reporters tweeting out that it's been 662 days since Ford first closed schools since this pandemic happened the first time that that happened but there's still not the proper ventilation we still need just a couple more weeks to make sure staff has PPE and that you know everything's going to work out and I, I i just i can't imagine how someone could be worse than this considering how long it has been to try to keep the kids in this this province safe like it's just it's astonishing how easily things seem to fall off the rails if it doesn't go exactly the way that Ford was planning. And I, I just, I, I can't imagine what it was like for parents who are in this situation. You know, I, I know you're a parent, Crystal, you're not dealing with it perhaps in the same way, but I, I've heard a lot of reports of, of parents who are feeling really overwhelmed again that they're, they're going back to this. And I just... I don't know where the line is, and I, I don't know how Ford is hoping to push this narrative because he is getting to the step two lockdown. It's not the full lockdown that we heard before, but I, I think it's a big change that he didn't want to do, and I, I'm wondering if you know we're going to actually see this decrease that we want or or if it's going to be back to like just that kind of the american sentiment that it's it's just a part of reality a percentage of people are going to die from this it's just what you get and we'll have to deal with it you know the the next month or so uh, i i'm very I'm very worried about what's going to happen here in Ontario and the different lines that, you know, different members of political parties are going to take here, because I know that Ford didn't want this to happen. He made it pretty clear. And the fact that they're not willing to make the changes needed to ensure this future, like really does terrify me if there's just going to be a point where the arithmetic makes more sense for ford and uh the tories here to say you know a certain percentage of people are just going to die they'll never say that publicly of course but yeah. I, uh, I i do wonder what the next month will be
1: well they were kind of doing that with like the testing right you know what I mean? yeah. we, we oh so let's it. get
0: into that crystal yeah, please like, so. so like
1: like they're like you know there's basically this idea that they want to reduce testing only to like the quote unquote vulnerable right whatever mm-hmm. that means but in effect it means that they're going to stop testing in schools now maybe given that they're opening a little bit later maybe they're going to revise that policy or something yeah. uh you know maybe they they that's coming down the pipe before you know before our next episode who knows but right now it's like you know it's like the narrative is we're going to stop testing if you have symptoms in many cases they'll tell you just to assume you have covid mm-hmm. and isolate for 5 days um and one there's there's not a sense necessarily that that means you're clear so you could still go out after 5 days and spread it potentially but it's also really bad for us understanding who's getting covid yeah right um and you know what are the effects of covid uh, who's getting long covid who uh, is getting sick uh, but like you know quite sick but maybe not going to the hospital sick versus mm-hmm. who is somebody that has very mild symptoms and is otherwise fine cuz they they're, they're that spectrum exists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're losing all of that information. Um, and it really does seem like you know the the Trumpian style, you know, if we if we stop the testing, <laughs> we'll have less cases right Man. because that's what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah when yeah, they no. say we have X amount of cases in Ontario, they they can only say, the amount of people that are officially tested by a body that reports to like central health authorities and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and local health authorities. Uh, they they cannot count somebody who's just like, hey, you know, I was told that if I had a couple COVID symptoms, or whatever, I should stay home. Maybe I can't get tested because I'm not in a vulnerable group. That person's not counted in the stats. Yeah. Right? It, so it's, it's, it's a, de- a deliberate policy mm-hmm. to undercount COVID. Because for every time you see, let's say you see a thousand people in a given jurisdiction get COVID. No, that's only the people that have been confirmed to get it. Mm -hmm. That's not all the people that just stayed home sick.
0: Right. I, I will give credit to a lot of media outlets that have been doing, you know, the daily numbers for, you know, 600 days now or something like that. They have added that little piece of information, which I, I think is is great and kind of unexpected. Where And now the numbers will say 16,000 believe to be more like they'll literally add yeah. that, which is surprising. So we, we were talking about the schools not having to report these numbers. And just I wanted to have a quote here of what education Minister Stephen Leach decided to say about this, but this really controversial uh, very Trumpian type of move because I do think yep. his answer is phenomenal here. So he says here he's talking to CP24 this week and this is before the announcement of uh, the closures for two weeks. So things might have changed, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just delicious. He says schools are literally some of the safest places in our community because we have distancing, cohorting, screening at the front end, quality masking, ventilation improvements and access to take home pcr tests for symptomatic students and staff it's going to make a difference and i appreciate that we all have an angst about this omicron variant bit because we all want to put this behind us but by increasing our immunization efforts by wearing quality masks, and continuing to be vigilant as a society i think we will just be able to get through it so it it's kind of shocking right? that yeah. that's his yeah. answer of like we have enough so we don't need to do these numbers like the, the logic behind not ensuring that we have a consensus of of who's getting sick, where they're getting sick so that parents have an understanding of where this is happening regionally. Like uh, I don't see any. Reasoning for this beyond just trying to limit the impact. And that's just kind of straight propaganda and and not needed. Like it's shocking to hear these mouthpieces talk about this at this point in the pandemic. Like we're we're so used to things going a certain way i'm I'm yeah. a little worried for for this change where things like you said are are just not going to be told to us in their fullest un truth we're we're not going to know where these cases are coming from the long covid cases how they affect people like the fact that well, it's well, in fucking forget, schools with, man
1: with long covid you have to remember like in terms of people claiming everything from medical disability all these sorts of things mm-hmm. um you know, one of the things that you might be required to provide in some cases is some kind of, like, medical record. Yeah. Um, and you just saying you have long COVID is, well, where's the test? Did you mm. even ever have COVID? Well, I can't get a test, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Things like that. Um, I mean, doctors and nurses are pissed, right? I mean, Dr. Bogoch, uh, Bogoch mm-hmm. who's um often been on the CBC and CTV throughout this whole pandemic talking about COVID, said, in effect, we're flying blind when we halt testing, whether it's in schools or generally, because again, you have no actual data about where the cases are, where they're hitting, how they're spreading, how hard they're hitting, all of those sorts of things, right? You're not getting the data. Uh, And Doris Grinspun, who's like the head of the, uh, the Nurses Professional Association, Uh, She said, like, this is Trumpian. She says, uh, Ontario is saying that, effectively, we've entered Trump land, Mm -hmm. uh, and Kieran Moore, this is on your watch, right? Specifically around the testing in schools, right? Like,
0: It's just uncall. It's unheard of. There's no reason. It's not unheard of, like you said. It's happening south of the border here, but there's no good reason for it. And even when the education minister tries to defend it, he just has to basically sound like Trump and say, you know, we've done great things. It's wonderful what we've done. Here are all the great things we've done. So we're gonna be okay. Like I I just I don't understand now the logic behind any of this, and it's it's a scary. it's a scary precedent to to now be brought up when COVID is as prevalent as it is now. You know, over over the weekend, my uh, my wife was in Toronto and she was concerned that she might have been in contact with someone who was in contact with someone that might have had this this Omicron variant. And just trying—I don't know if you've experienced this, Crystal, but just trying to like get a test and make sure that you're safe right now in a city like Toronto is. Impossibly difficult. If she wanted to go online and spend $400 to buy one of these rapid tests, she could do that. But they literally turned her away at you know, different clinics at choppers at the LCBO where they had them first. So she just wasn't aware and we had to isolate as well just for a couple days to make sure. And if that's happening here, anecdotally, it's got to be happening to thousands of different families. And the idea that having less information will somehow help this or or make it less scary, maybe like maybe that's some
1: ideological push. Yeah, it could be that it could just be simple, like. You know, if we don't like, like, again, the very Trumpian, if we don't, uh, if we don't test the cases don't exist, Yeah, Uh, it could also just be a certain practicality. Again, way more people are getting Omicron like here in Kingston. Like there were a few times where we had to take our son to get tested because he would have some, uh, some loose COVID symptoms Mm -hmm. and the daycare would be like, look, we got to send him home because maybe he has COVID, but he never did. Yeah. He never has, but because Kingston had low levels of cases, he would go in, get his test, usually the next day, and we get the results usually that afternoon, if not the next morning. And yeah. so he'd go back once he was feeling better because he might have had, you know, like, you know, the, the cold or something. Now, I mean, if, if the caseload in Kingston is like 100 times higher, there's going to be way more people going out to get tests. And it might simply be a reality that the testing infrastructure uh, isn't good enough. Yeah. Right. And it was fine when in a place like Kingston, maybe, you know, a uh, hundred people a day might need to get tested, maybe less. And only a fraction of those people will actually have covid. And it's just out of an abundance of precaution versus now you think if there's a thousand people that are getting it in a city, a few hundred that are getting it, people are going to get tested and be negative. And of course, lots of people are going to not get tested and be positive. Right. So.
0: Yeah. And of course, we don't have the necessary paid sick leave that is no, needed for well. a moment like that. Like, pardon me? No, that's true as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, it's just it, it, we don't have the mechanisms in place to deal with this lockdown at this time. There are so many people that I know that, that live in Toronto that, you know, their job now is closed. They'll be closed on Wednesday. So maybe their hours will be cut. They cannot live in the place they're living now that rents are increasing. That started January 1st. That was allowed here in Ontario without that income, their paycheck to paycheck. And there is just no services available. If you were on CERB last year and you need to extend it a couple more months, that went in. To employment insurance so there are i i know for a fact and i i think this is the case for many people as well people just don't have any way of surviving and the fact that there isn't something that accompanied this announcement from ford about needed economic relief and i know he doesn't have the same jurisdiction perhaps that uh, trudeau does when when first introducing this but it, yeah, it, yeah, the it's,
1: CERB, yeah, 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 it's just you know, criminal.
0: Like it is just yeah. criminal. You cannot announce at this stage in the game. You can't announce these levels of closures and claim the economy is important without giving some type of. Economic relief for workers that live paycheck to paycheck, which, as this pandemic went on, became more and more people. So I just, what are people to do? You know, is it just there's nothing they really can do? So I'm, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, it's almost just like as if w- this is something we'll have to live with. I mean, like,
1: largely and in, in some ways, people are being told to get fucked, right? Yeah. Like Like that's like what's happening so clearly. Right? Like,
0: more yeah. clearly than I remember yeah. in my lifetime, yeah. we're being yeah. told and by someone who would win a majority. In this pandemic, yeah,
1: and 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 even in relation to earlier parts of COVID. Yeah, like look, some people got told to get fucked in early COVID, specifically the most poorest, you know, the poorest people in Canada. Uh, you know, if you didn't make five thousand uh, dollars in the previous year or whatever, you didn't get served, and you were basically told to get fucked and die. Like that's what Justin Trudeau yeah. decided. If you're
0: a disabled um, Canadian, yeah. for instance, disabled
1: Canadians yeah. in many cases, students in many cases, uh, some of those things were 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 uh, fixed, but not not fixed, but but partially addressed, reluctantly later on. But the reality is, like this is, I think, taking it to another level, right? I yeah. mean, and you're seeing it in the states as well, where they're they're moving in some cases down to like the five day, you know, isolation period. Um, you know, this is. Uh, basically being done because the companies either don't want to or can't operate with all their workers getting sick because omicron again even if it's less severe and in some cases it is um it's it's you know people are still getting knocked out with covid uh, mm-hmm. for at least a you know a little bit and they're like well we can't handle them being out for 10 days why don't we just make it five days um <laughs> that's not a decision driven by science it's yeah. not as you noted um you have medical officers chief medical officers and whatnot saying yeah we're doing this for the employers like we're doing it for the employers <laughs> that shouldn't be what they say as a chief medical no, officer <laughs> no the whole the whole fucking mystique and, and we can i don't want to get off track but the whole mystique of like the stem lords is yeah. like oh we're above oh, politics Jesus we're Christ, above eh? politics we we don't we don't talk politics and in, in the sciences we only seek truth and knowledge it's like bullshit right mm-hmm. because what you're seeing right now is all these men and women of science Fucking cow to capital, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like enough of them. At least if they're they have the right kind of boss, are being like, yeah, it's fine if you know you spread COVID a little bit. You know, it's fine. The economy can't catch COVID. You know, <laughs> only 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 us only us meat bags can catch yeah, COVID.
0: I like that. The economy yeah. can't catch COVID because that is absolutely the sentiment yeah. that the Ford government had. But now with this lockdown, I feel like again their narrative of. The economy can't catch COVID. This is basically with this new variant, just a really they got bad forced flu. Into doing
1: this, right? Yeah, like, they but got, that yeah. changes
0: the the yep. trajectory yep. that they had to go. Well, it's so an now they're year, so fucked. Right? To, but that's what I mean. Like, I just, yeah. I, I don't know how this is going to work out for them because the people that agree with that first sentiment, which I think is a lot of people, like I've definitely heard that socially in the holiday weeks that you know this isn't as bad. So we still got to be really careful but you know we we it still isn't as bad which i think there is obviously a lot of like, truth to that but not 100% people
1: are div- yeah evidence is divided on that right mm-hmm. like but in the sense is that in it, there are certain metrics and certain professionals that do say that on a case by case basis especially given that so many people are either double or in, i don't know if you got your booster but i've got my booster triple vax well yeah
0: i want to talk um, about that in a second too cuz yeah, that's exactly, been a, a yeah. mess here. Yeah.
1: but like the reality is like Again, you got to look at the system, right? And Mm -hmm. if it's say it, let's say it's like, and this is, this is me just throwing out numbers. I just want to really clarify that. Let's say it's half as potent, but three times as infectious. Mm -hmm. That means that on a case by case basis, it's less dangerous. Mm -hmm. But if it's three times more likely to hit people then, some amount of that extra 50% of people, like the extra three times, are going to end up in hospital. And it doesn't necessarily matter to the system because a bed is still being taken up. Yeah. Right. And so, you've seen these cases, and this goes to even earlier in COVID, especially in the United States, where. Uh, in a lot of places that people just didn't isolate. Like yeah. doctors saying that like people were dying of of non-COVID issues. This is what Nora talked about. Mm-hmm. It, it, some people passed away because of COVID without ever catching COVID because they weren't able to get the medical care and the physical care they needed in long-term care homes. And you're seeing some people that won't get hospital care for a heart issue or a whatever issue because the the hospital is full of people who have gotten COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah no it
0: is it is just it's what you said there we we are very good in our current capitalist system of understanding the individual and the needs of the individual. But if there's any answer that requires like a bit of a societal view, like if there's anything that could possibly be better for a collective that might not be, you know, a slight inconvenience for an individual in this way, we essentially fall apart because it doesn't matter if only a thousand people that had extreme Delta variants of COVID were in the hospital versus 10,000 who have, you know, the Omicron variants that are taking up a hospital bed, that still ripples out in our society. So this narrative that Ford was trying to push, fortunately, is being, he must have done that arithmetic saying he he literally can't because it won't work. But we are, the fact that this did not come with any sort of economic relief, just shows how evil and kind of last minute, I don't know if it's purely evil or just incompetent, a difficult question that we have here when talking about COVID and Ford in particular, but the fact that there isn't that social safety net And but there is an understanding that this will affect our society as a whole, I think, really paints a a bleak future for this uh, province. And as we talked about, the numbers in the polling that we saw before this last Omicron hit, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Christo, there was an indicator that he would still get a majority if an election happened before this happened.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the polling was the polling is still showing that he's in a good position to win. But who knows at this point? On the one hand, right now, again, we talked about this with COVID, timing is going to be really critical. You know, if you come out of a, if, if an election is coming out at the, you know, at the uh, wane of a COVID wave and the economy is starting to open up and people are feeling, um, you know, optimistic, then it could be really good. Justin Trudeau, I think, timed his election call well. Mm-hmm. COVID was sort of trending down. A lot of people were getting vaccinated. Uh, you know, the anti-vaxxers were throwing rocks at him, but, you know, a <laughs> yeah. lot of people were getting vaccinated. And I think a lot of people were pretty confident. If Justin Trudeau had that election now, he probably loses or certainly he at least loses, you know, an extra dozen or so seats, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he takes a pounding, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, same thing, John Horgan, uh, who we've criticized a lot, and there, a lot of the things Ford is doing, Horgan is doing. They're restricting testing and stuff too, and BC, and there's a lot of fuckery going on there. But like, the reality is that, um, you know, th- those elections were timed really well, and there was a there was a universe. There's like two universes here. One where you know uh, the the lockdown is done correctly, and we all get the vaccines, and there's not really an Omicron because. You know, it just doesn't happen and the economy really starts to roar and you go into the summer of 2022, the spring of 2022, which is when the next election is going to happen. And, and, you know, Ford's riding high, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what you're seeing right now is that Omicron's hitting hard. People are obviously going to get laid off. Schools aren't opening or they're opening in a partial sense universities aren't going back, at least most of them in Ontario. They're not going back uh, in person until February in many cases. Um, I don't know. I don't know how this affects them. I don't think we've seen any new Ontario polling like post Omicron so far as I can tell. Um, I'm not sure. Let me just quickly check some of the polling um, aggregate um
0: yeah yeah absolutely take a look there i i will say that the responses that we have and I, I got a nice clip here from andrew horvath who really did try to take Ford to task there's a, about a half hour response that she had after the press conference uh yeah let's uh let's play that now as as christo uh takes a look
2: um i i can tell you that every time we've come up with uh A roadmap for what we think needs to happen in Ontario, whether it's to protect schools and kids and their education, whether it's to protect our healthcare system or our seniors in long-term care, uh, you know, whether it's to protect our local uh, businesses, our frontline uh, workers, um, this government has not been interested in in those um, kinds of initiatives. And so, we've watched as Doug Ford uh, has made some bad choices and you know, shockingly, uh, also made some big cuts. Uh, His last budget contained big cuts to education at a time when we are now, once again, shutting down schools. And so uh, we have never stopped providing uh, advice, providing uh, ideas, recommendations, suggestions for the government. We have done it from day one. Uh, I could say virtually everything that we've asked for the government to do was based on on science, uh, based on trying to get out ahead of what we were worried was coming down the pike when it came came to the uh, impact of COVID-19. Uh, and um, as we've seen, the, the Premier has not seen um, his way forward, has not seen the uh, value in making the investments necessary to help us get through this virus from day one. And uh, and so, you know, that's on, that's on Doug Ford. We won't stop. We won't stop making those recommendations. And as you identified, we made more of them uh, in today's uh, press release. And we're going to continue to do that because, yes, we do want to identify uh, that Doug Ford's made some bad choices. And he has, uh, he has made, you know, big cuts uh, and he has not prioritized the things that, uh, that, that people uh, think are important. And, and as a result, uh, that's going to have some pretty negative outcomes for Ontarians and for families. But that doesn't mean that those solutions don't exist because they do. And that's why we've been putting them forward.
1: I think. I think. I mean, I I, I get the sense of outrage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, for whatever reason, it's been hard to really connect, uh, you know, and, and really drive any momentum for either party. I mean, the Liberals, uh, you might say, the Ontario Liberals are in a decent position in some ways because um, the uh, you know they're they're polling way above where they were in the 2018 election. They almost got wiped out. But, like, neither party has really been able to capitalize on, like, the raw anger uh, a majority of Ontarians feel, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Right? I I do feel from that that sentiment we just heard that the real outrage that you and I feel of what is happening here and the the criminality of the Fords decisions earlier on in the pandemic that were clearly motivated by different lobbies that led to different deaths that outrage is not heard in the words or tenor of Andrea Horvath here and you know they the NDP is pushing important stuff you know making sure there's emergency income for Ontarians rent subsidies you know demanding those covid tests that they're really Really outspoken when it was announced uh, uh, earlier this week that they wouldn't be testing in schools like it was absolutely strong. But I will say that perhaps one of the biggest weaknesses that I've heard from Horvath has been the focus on the revival of small businesses, that it hasn't been a unified worker individual revival as much. And, you know, maybe there is some Uh, politicking arithmetic there that it does kind of make more sense. But I I really think from a leftist perspective here, the answer has to be making sure that individuals have income if they still expect and need, based on the understanding of this Oberkron variant, to be isolated so that we can all survive. And the fact that that isn't being touted as loudly right now, I think people uh, are are tuning out a little bit. Like I think now was a time for outrage. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people are angry, but people are also tired, right? People are. That's tired. a good point.
0: That's a, her, she sounded like, tired, tired in that clip. She sounded people real tired. People
1: are tired, right? Like yeah. people are tired, and I think like look, even people that have done everything and they're not anti-vaxxers and they're not whatever are like tired of of the lockdowns and stuff. There's a reason why, you know governments have been reluctant to lock down yeah of course it's capital right like capital mm-hmm. doesn't want it to happen the big donors don't want it to happen of course right but like even still i'm guessing there's probably less support for a stage one march 2020 type lockdown than there was then than now than there was then Because you know, i think some people are just fatigued mm-hmm. right yeah. and so i i don't know people are clearly angry at ford um but I don't, I haven't seen that yet coalesce into like one party. Now, some of this honestly might just happen at the next election. You Mm -hmm. know, what tends to happen in an election like that, much like what happened in 2018 to the benefit of the NDP or 2015 to the benefit of the liberals federally is that, you know, both of those races were in a sense, all three parties were viable, right? Mm -hmm. If you go back to the 2015, all three parties were viable. Um, But, At some point, the broad anything-but-Ford group might make a decision. And once they make that decision, then we'll have to see. It might not be apparent yet where this the strength of the anti-Ford vote is until you get closer and closer to that election. Um, Because, at least right now, Del Duca hasn't seized it. Andrea Horwath hasn't yet seized it. But um, if people are just, I want Ford out and I don't really care... Who gets rid of him either del duca or horwath i'm fine with either of them and i'm guessing that sentiment does exist mm-hmm. um that we won't see that decision being made until the election actually comes uh that's kind of what happened last time uh, horwath mm-hmm. was in third but a strong third going into the start of that election had a really good first debate and and kathleen Wynne was tanking in the polls and at some point the province decided um, well, it's going to be the NDP or the Conservatives. And a good chunk of people started voting NDP strategically. Or mm-hmm. at least stopped voting strategically and actually voted for the NDP because they wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. And um, of course, Ford still won. Unfortunate as that is, the reality is that could happen this time. So I don't know how strong, how durable the anti-Ford movement is. Again, mm-hmm. timing could be everything. Um, if we're still dealing with like another kind of wave like this... And there's a sense that Ford is being blamed for not doing all he could do. Then yeah, he could get punished and turfed. But if the um, if we're in like if we're in another whether COVID's done or whether we're in another like you know trough in terms of the severity, then then he could he could get another he could get another four years or win a minority or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I there's think... no guarantee yet. There's no. This is not like Quebec, where mm-hmm. like if you look at the Quebec polling, Legault is almost certainly gonna win again. Yeah. like it would it would be shocking if he didn't this is not this is not the case here ford ford is in a good position but he has not guaranteed anywhere close come to guaranteeing a victory
0: I think it does have a lot to do with the the narrative that would happen if we come election time and we've had a couple months where kids were getting sick with this, even if perhaps they weren't dying and parents weren't aware. Because it's, it's pretty clear that Ontarians, by and large, and we're going to paint with a broad brush here, don't seem to care if Amazon workers in Brampton die of covid or, or end up in the hospital. But the idea that. Kids are getting sick from this and there's it's not being reported and we're, we're not using the data to ensure that the next variant doesn't have this effect. I think could be a great jumping board to actually, you know, reduce, if not remove Ford from this position, because I, I think there's a lot of evidence that in the last 600 days, We've said it here before. He has done criminal activities that have led to people dying at the worst stages of this. And there's no reason why he would all of a sudden start making good decisions now. You know, the fact that this lockdown is happening, there isn't that economic help is, in my mind, going to lead to more despair it's going to lead to deaths and the the, one of the more sickening things and i've used that word a lot here today is how the closures and issues with the closures and and trying to stop the lockdown by um, conservative officials has been They've co-opted the language of mental health as the reasoning that, you know, we need to open up because this is affecting people's mental health, which is accurate, but yeah. it's completely insidious that he's they're using that when clearly it's just the economy can't get COVID.
1: Well, yeah. Well, a couple things. One, these are the same fuckers. There's a really great tweet on Twitter. I can't find it now. These are the same uh, a holes that are like, you know, we got we got we to think of the children's mental health. <laughs> The poor children, their mental health. But these are the people that will never, ever invest in good mental health. They won't do it. Right? Like, and yeah, there's a kernel of truth there. Um, You know, people need social uh, interaction. And often social interaction within, say, your tight family bubble isn't sufficient, mm-hmm. especially if you have children who really should be with people in their peer group. Of course, 100%. But I mean, like Merritt Styles, who's the NDP education credit, she's the MPP for Davenport. I mean, she's right. She said here, like, schools are shifting online again. It's been 662 days since Ford first closed schools in March 2020. Why do we still have classrooms without proper ventilation? Why don't our staff have proper PPE? Yeah. Why are they canceling public reporting of COVID cases in public schools? And so in some ways it's like the critics of opening up ne- of opening up the schools aren't saying oh we like we want lockdowns and there's literally no consequences to the lockdowns, right? Mm-hmm. But the um the fact of the matter is that um the fact of the matter is that you could have opened up quicker.
0: You knew this was coming. This is very clear. We knew even if you were a complete idiot and didn't have access to... All of the best Ontario scientists that are trying to tell you, you know, what is happening here, you knew at least a month ago that it was going to get this bad. Like, this is not a surprising thing. Like, there's a there's a 19-year-old immunologist uh, student on TikTok that called this in late October. Like, this is not secret information that is being put out there. And the fact that they don't have the safeties in place just shows where where this government sees the investments need to go. And it's happening across Canada. It's definitely not just an Ontario thing. It's I, I I can't understand the mindset of the powers that be right now that just wouldn't assume that this could get worse or that this might happen again and that we need to have safety measures in place. Like, it just, it, it, it boggles the mind. There's no reason
1: for it. And, and there was a time to do it. Like, yeah, like we, when the schools it, were closed, like... Like, like again, Merritt's top reply to Merritt's tweet. Uh, You know, this is, she she says here uh, and all the time the schools were closed would have been the perfect time to upgrade ventilation systems and prepare kids for returning. You know, people on the left, we understand that we want kids in school. School's great. School's important. You know, the left, we're the ones that want to support the broad universal public education of all children from pre-K to PhD. Uh, you'll you'll find no bigger defender of education than me, mm-hmm. um, and so the issue is that um, we haven't found a way to make school safe, uh, and that's the issue. And the the you you might not be able to make it perfectly safe, of course, but as Merritt notes, you know. PPE, ventilation, larger classes, uh, you know, using other spaces, finding creative ways to do it, especially if other venues are going to be shut down, finding some way to get children the in-person education and socialization that they need and deserve, but keeping them and the workers that, you know, the teachers and the support staff safe. Uh, There was a way to probably do that. And the government hasn't done that. And so, as you say, they're sort of pitting Uh, you know, students against teachers in that sense, saying, oh, the the student's mental health will suffer. Well, it's because you haven't done enough. (laughs) Even if you believe
0: that, even if you believe that you're still to blame. And it's funny, we're talking about, you know, how lacking that our, our school system really is Ford today, took an opportunity to, in his words, give a shout out to how great the education minister is. So let's play that right now. Well, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Minister Lecce. I I always say he's the best Minister of Education in the country. He has done everything uh, in his power to make sure that schools can move forward throughout uh, this this whole pandemic. He's uh, made sure that we have N95 masks for educators, which is unheard of, by the way. There's no jurisdiction in in Canada that has N95 uh, masks. We're going to make sure that the cleaning uh, enhances the the cleaning. We're making sure that we have the rapid test. He he sent out 11 million tests uh, right across this province. So clearly, if Stephen's doing such a great job, why the fuck aren't kids going back to school? <laughs> like yeah. if you already did all this stuff and it's great and they have, you know, they get n 95s and they're so wonderful. Then why did you make this decision on the day before school was supposed to start for yeah. this to happen? Like yeah,
1: parents were stressed out. Like, look like, yeah, parents are going to be stressed out in any case, parents would be stressed out if schools were opening because they would be worried about their kids and, and getting sick. People are stressed out if the schools are closed because they don't necessarily have childcare arrangements you know, that fit around their jobs. And people but people were certainly stressed about either of those options and just not knowing. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 Monday, right? It's <laughs> yeah. Monday night where we're recording this around nine PM or so, a quarter to nine. Um, and it's like, well, were kids gonna go back tomorrow, Wednesday, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and they didn't know, which is which is insane, right? And so <laughs> I can't believe that Ford made this decision today based on pure rationality Mm -hmm. it was pure political expediency he was holding out on the off chance he could keep things open and he left it until literally the last minute maybe uh, this is speculation maybe the pcs have been doing some internal polling they did a flash poll and they found that you know currently right now they're very unpopular with the decision to open and their indecisiveness and ford you know sort of bit the bullet and made a decision i don't know but it's it's the way they've handled this has been really has been really poor because I don't think it's going to make anyone happy. Yeah. Right. Some of their base isn't going to be happy. They don't like the lockdowns, mm-hmm. a- and no one's happy bu- about this indecisiveness. If they would have said two weeks ago, "Look, Omicron's really bad." Out of an abundance of caution, we're going to start school again as scheduled, but only online for the first couple weeks. We understand that's hard, but that gives you a little bit of time, hopefully, to prepare uh, for it. Now it's like, how the fuck are people going to prepare? Some people thought their kids were going back to school literally in hours. Yeah. And now they're not, right? And so, what do you do? What do you do if you had work? And right? if your know. work
0: is going to close now, because now yeah. it's yeah, one well of the businesses too, yeah. that have to close down. So now you yeah. have to figure out how to take care of your child. And perhaps you don't have the income that you thought you would. But Ford wants to remind you it's it's only for a couple weeks like that. That was the language that was being used, which mm-hmm. is just like if it takes two fucking weeks to get schools ready, the school should have been ready. Like it's not good yeah. enough. It's, it's just. It's not good enough, and I don't think anyone's buying it. But as we said, if if things slice the right way, we could have Ford forever in this case. If things are well, just yep. a little bit better, and like he he does a bit of a lockdown, the economy boosts back, or Omicron starts to wane, like he, we could be stuck with him yeah, forever. To-
1: COVID elections are all about timing. They are mm. all about timing.
0: All right, we'll, well, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, before we go this week, we spent a lot of time talking about COVID. We have, of course, our Discord questions. If you want to join our little Discord community, patreon.com slash leftturncanada, just a dollar a month now, and you can talk with us and, you know, have your question on the show. So this one is from Pierre, who we featured on the program a lot. He's actually cribbing this question from Nora. This is a very Nora heavy episode, but it is uh, I think a very, very good one. And it's the question of as, and this I'm paraphrasing here, what happens to Canada after the fall of American hegemony? We've seen America in the last few years start to wane in every perceivable sense but Canada is of course so intertwined economically socially culturally with our our neighbors to the south if there was a distinct paradigm shift if there wasn't just the slow deterioration what should be the next steps for Canada and you know what would actually happen my thought is if it's a slow deterioration which I think there's a lot of evidence that that is happening that there will be no change and we will unfortunately just go down with the ship if there's something a little more pointed if there's you know big collapses to institutions that uh can be measured and observed by by regular people i think then there might be a need to change but uh yeah christo what what do you think about this
1: i mean i definitely think that it, it's it's an important question because if you really think about it, through pretty much all of modern like the Canada as a state, the U.S. was like a rising power, right, mm-hmm. or the superpower. If you think Canada in the 1860s, the it's it's part of the Commonwealth. The British Empire is the uh, strongest country in maybe world history, certainly at the time. And then as the British Empire wanes, there's this rising power in the United States. Uh, and Canada's sort of always been connected quite closely, geographically, politically, diplomatically, economically, to one of the world powers, right? Uh, and the world power in many cases. Um, and now you're right, there is a chance, nothing is guaranteed, of course, that with U.S. hegemony falling, uh, the rise of China and other countries, that Canada's in a difficult position. I, I don't know what the answer is. Certainly. I don't see a a real move to disconnect from the United States. I mean, we renegotiated a NAFTA-style deal. The economy is still deeply intertwined. Mm -hmm. Uh, People still move across, you know, pre-COVID, of course, but still move across the border. Hundreds of thousands, if not more, a day move across the border. Um, I think that it's um, likely the case that we remain connected to the U.S. There have been some discussions about building closer ties to the european union yeah um, i, I have seen that a lot Europe, which i like <laughs> eh? um
0: it's interesting which
1: in some ways would make some sense uh you know and those countries are less shitty on average than the u.s so that would be neat i guess um <laughs> there's been some discussions of kanzuk uh mm. which is a, a sort of neo-colonialist like a reimagining of the British Empire, but without all the countries where the non white people live. Um, <laughs> it's like it would basically be like Canada, the UK, New Zealand, Australia forming some sort of uh, like European Union style system, which is weird <laughs> given how far those countries are from one another. Yeah. That's been a discussion that like there'd basically be no border between those four countries. Um, but I don't know, it's a real issue. It's a real issue because if China goes right now, the U.S. is probably still the undisputed superpower. But I think China is quickly going to rival them, and 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 maybe at some point in the next couple generations, it might become the superpower. Then Canada's role will be, you know, we're not, we're no longer connected to the biggest dog in the yard,
2: mm-hmm. and I don't
1: know where Canada goes from that. Right now, our our most of everything we do is connected pretty directly to systems of like. European hegemony and, and North American hegemony, NATO, Mm -hmm. the economy, those sorts of things. I don't see how we break free of that. Even if like, maybe it's beneficial to take a a non-aligned position. I don't see it. I think we're, we're in too deep with the United States and, 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 and things like that. Who would be the leaders?
0: Like, I'm just wondering even to game it out, who would be the leaders on both sides that would have to make that happen you know it would have to be like a an either truly despicable american leader and a very progressive canadian one or perhaps vice versa to to really push the ball even in that direction but it is scary to look at how the the loss of American hegemony in the way that it has been represented in the last hundred years is a deterioration and not an explosion. So yeah, we're we're being pulled down by this same sinking ship, but it's not as if we can just turn around. You know, it's not as if we can just leave yeah. this this arrangement when our economies, like you said, are just so intertwined and interconnected. And I don't know. I I, I don't think there would be a leader. That would even be able to to sell this at this point, especially not at this point. But unless there was a huge change, uh, I can't see this happening. And it's a shame because, you know, we're seeing the negative effects of our countries being so intertwined in this way. So a little bit of a non-answer there for Pierre, but it's not as if yeah. we were going to solve the, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't problems. see
1: Canada <laughs> making like, look, you can make. I I certainly don't see Canada like aligning with China. Um, I certainly don't see Canada, you know, aligning with, you know, you know, China, Russia, what have you. I I just don't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I think Canada is basically we've hitched our wagon to the U.S. And like you might see some moves, like you've seen Canada negotiate more trade deals beyond NAFTA. Mm-hmm. And like, I I'm not saying that's the panacea or anything, of course, but like, you know, you've seen some efforts, but I think by and large, Canada's like, no, like can't like no, the North American like system is the only one we really can operate within. And <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, like there's discussions Like, if the, the U S is moving in some totalitarian directions in some ways, you know, if people who watch my YouTube channel, know, you can see the crazy shit mm-hmm. that they're doing down there. Uh, just openly embracing anti democratic politics, at least the Republican Party is. Um, and it's so, what does Canada do in the context of a growingly anti democratic United States? I don't have the answer. I, because I, I don't know what we can do. Like, I don't know what. Because even if we wanted to, like, be closer to China, like, we are physically on the border of the United States. And 90% of Canadians or so live within a hundred kilometers of the, or a hundred miles or what have you, of the US border. -hmm. I don't see the separation. I just don't see it, like unless they. I I don't see it. We'll condemn it
0: publicly, and then slowly over time, follow the exact same sort of trajectory as the United States. Like that—that seems to be the Canadian way in some ways, because the like you said, there's not a lot of options. But you know, it's sinking. So let's let's make sure we have something that's distinct enough, perhaps, in this Canadian experience to maybe not fall quite as deep but uh, yeah unfortunately Pierre we cannot solve global yeah. politics for you yeah. today. Not today. Maybe, maybe Not next today. week. Maybe, maybe next week. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So we got a couple minutes left here. And Christo, I was wondering if you'll indulge me in something. In of course. In these last few minutes. So I do appreciate it. So in the weeks we had off, I got to spend a lot of time just, you know, enjoying my family. This is before all these lockdowns happened. So we were still trying to be safe. But it was just wonderful to, to really enjoy and to get that sense of peace and rest. You know, that, that idea of of what rest is for a a, a human being, I think is just being perpetually lost in our current society. It's being replaced by this idea of almost like a a capitalist wellness, if you will, of of these sort of uh, buzzwords being used instead of just the, the benefit of resting. And there's this new phenomenon, at least new to me that I was wondering if you've ever seen it's white dudes that are bearded on most social media outlets explaining how they're proud of waking up every morning at 3 30 in the morning to work out and eat and like write down yep. 15 different affirmations. Like the grind set. Yeah. And do like 20 different jobs Talking in about 20 Gary different places. Oh, well, he is yeah. despicable, but I noticed there is a trend of this right now. Yeah in because I had a lot more free time in my hands, which is ironic, to see like Canadian specifically Toronto TikTokers yeah. and how there is a pride of having to work 15 different jobs and wake up at 4 in the morning and and use therapy tactics in bursts on you just to feel okay. Yeah. And how that is something that is, you know, susceptible and and if not glamorized in a way, you and I both work in the media field. You know, we we create content that to be and maybe not this and be modest here, but that hundreds of thousands if not millions of people see in a year. That, I don't think, is something that we think is a good idea, right?
1: No. I mean, look, I'm a hypocrite about this. And, like, I mean, I watched, uh, you know, Hassan, the big streamer. I'm a hypocrite yeah. about this. I mean, I literally work every day. I literally do not yeah, take we got.
0: To, like, yeah, we got to talk about that, Krista. Yeah, yeah Come I on,
1: literally man. work. So, like, I don't want to be a hit. Like, but, like, look, it, the reality is that, like, this, it, it, it's, it's all just, like, trying to create this mindset of, like, you know, you just gotta grind through it, right? And it's like, look, the fact that house prices rose like a million percent last year, you just gotta grind harder. The mm-hmm. fact that wages don't keep up with inflation, you just gotta grind harder. And it really is this idea that, like, you know, you can just outwork systemic flaws. And yeah, it's <laughs> disgusting. It is. And again, can, uh, most say of that
0: again, Christo, because that's good—that you can yeah. just outwork systemic flaws. Yeah, of is- like. The ex- insane yeah. yeah it's wrong it's bad yeah. it's made to make people feel bad that yeah. aren't doing this like it's it's against class consciousness yeah. it's just yeah it's everything that's bad and it's seeing in a town that i spent 10 I think years in
1: yeah I think, I think a big factor here is like it's sort of like there's this understanding that you're we're all to varying degrees because some people have more privilege than others and more mm-hmm. connections than others but we're all to varying degrees pretty powerless Mm-hmm. in the system, even people that are decently well off are pretty powerless as individuals to really like challenge the economic and social and political status quo. And so when you think to yourself like I'm just a powerless ant and this the like, giant system is there to crush me if it wants to, that fucking sucks yeah. even if it's true. And so I think for some people in some ways I really feel that like, maybe it's easier for them to think okay it's no matter how small of an ant i am if i if i just grind every day <laughs> grind 18 hours whatever it is i'm going to find myself um you know at the top of the heap Have i'm gonna control, find myself success. at least you know it's yeah idea and it gives control. you a, con- a sense of control right yeah. and so i think ironic as it is it's like this gives people a sense of control and power and agency that you can outwork it, even though that's untrue and very exploitative for some people. That's more comforting than the reality, which is that in many, not all cases, of course, because some people, uh, you know, do get lucky within our fucking broken system, what yeah. have you. Um, the reality is like, you know, it, 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 that's more comforting than, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. Odds are you're going to end up with a pretty lackluster lifestyle. Probably not homeless, but never with any sort of economic security. Yeah. uh, And that'll be your life until you die. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, like, yeah. I just... I can and, see how some people embrace the Sigma grind set. You know what I mean? Like But they it's like they yeah. are drinking their own Kool-Aid. Oh, of course. So they,
0: they course. understood that this was happening, but now they're so invested in it that they're using these cracks of the system to embolden the system now, to ensure that no one will ever actually break from it. Like it is the most sensationalized and insane way to live. And I just I don't know. There's there's also something that I really is revolting in my soul for like a single guy that doesn't have a kid or, you know, responsibilities that wants to wake up at four in the morning so that he can like go for a run and make sure his day is set up for him. Like there's something personally that that offends me. If you're listening right now and you're feeling that same (laughs) revulsion and maybe it's fine, maybe it's great. There's, there's all different folks, but when you're documenting it and explaining how it helps you get through the day, the problem isn't other people not waking up at, four in the morning the problem is that our system makes it so you have to do this so you can be sane like that that's that's pretty clear and that i just wanted to take a little bit of real estate in left turn canada to be like fuck those people like sleep in make sure your life is good and it's okay that the system is broken and you feel like shit like it's not your fault that you feel like shit Doug Ford just fucked up everyone's life on a whim because he was worried about an election like it's clearly things are not working the way they're supposed to so just sleep in man relax a little bit come on You too, Christo. Stop working so hard. Goddamn, man. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. All right, we'll end it there. Uh, (laughs) Again, if you want to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash left turn Canada. A lot of great folks there. And yeah, stay safe and stay healthy. We'll see what's going on next week.